Section 89 of The United States. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. The World's Story, Volume 13. The United States. Edited by Ava March Tappan. Section 89. America After the Civil War. By William Ewart Gladstone. If there be those in England who think that American democracy means public levity and intemperance, or a lack of skill and sagacity in politics, or the absence of self-command and self-denial, let them bear in mind a few of the most salient and recent facts of history, which may profitably be recommended to their reflections. We emancipated a million of Negroes by peaceful legislation. America liberated four or five millions by a bloody civil war. Yet the industry and exports of the southern states are maintained, while those of our Negro colonies have dwindled. The South enjoys all its franchises, but we have, pro pudor, found no better method of providing for peace and order in Jamaica, the chief of our islands, than by the hard and vulgar, even where needful, expedient of abolishing entirely his representative institutions. The Civil War compelled the states, both North and South, to train and embody a million and a half of men, and to present to view the great, instead of the smallest, armed forces in the world. Here, there was supposed to arise a double danger. First, that on a sudden cessation of the war, military life and habits could not be shaken off, and having become rudely and widely predominant, would bias the country toward an aggressive policy, or still worse, would find vent on predatory or revolutionary operations. Secondly, that the military caste would grow up with its habits of exclusiveness and command, and would influence the tone of politics in a direction adverse to republican freedom. But both apprehensions proved to be wholly imaginary. The innumerable soldiery was at once dissolved. Cincinnatus, no longer an unique example, became the commonplace of every day, the type and mould of a nation. The whole enormous mass quietly resumed the habits of social life. The generals of yesterday were the editors, the secretaries, and the solicitors of today. The just jealousy of the state gave life to the now-forgotten maxim of Judge Blackstone, who denounced as perilous the erection of a separate profession of arms in a free country. The standing army, expanded by the heat of civil contest to gigantic dimensions, settled down into the framework of a miniature with the returning temperature of civil life, and became a power well-nigh invisible from its minuteness, amidst the powers which swayed the movements of a society exceeding forty millions. More remarkable still was the financial sequel to the great conflict. The internal taxation for federal purposes, which before its commencement had been unknown, was raised in obedience to an exigency of life and death, so as to exceed every present and every past example. It pursued and worried all the transactions of life. The interest of the American debt grew to be the highest in the world, 
and the capital touched five hundred and sixty millions sterling here was provided for the faith and patience of a people a touchstone of extreme severity in england at the close of the great french war the propertied classes who were supreme in parliament at once rebelled against the tory government and refused to prolong the income tax even for a single year we talked big both then and now about the payment of our national debt but sixty-three years have since elapsed all of them except two called years of peace and we have reduced the huge debt by about one-ninth that is to say by a little over one hundred millions or scarcely more than one million and a half a year this is the conduct of a state elaborately digested into orders and degrees famed for wisdom and forethought and consolidated by a long experience but america continued not long to bear on her unaccustomed and still smarting shoulders the burden of the war taxation in twelve years she has reduced her debt by one hundred and fifty eight millions sterling or at the rate of thirteen millions for every year in each twelve months she has done what we did in eight years her self-command self-denial and wise forethought for the future have been to say the least eightfold ours these are facts which redound greatly to her honor and the historian will record with surprise that an enfranchised nation tolerated burdens which in england a selected class possessed of the representation did not dare to face and that the most unmitigated democracy known to the annals of the world resolutely reduced of its own cost prospective liabilities of the state which the aristocratic and plutocratic and monarchical government of the united kingdom has been contented ignobly to hand over to posterity and such facts should be told out it is our fashion so to tell them against as well as for ourselves and the record of them may some day be among the means of stirring us up to a policy more worthy of the name and fame of england end of section eighty nine this recording is in the public domain recording by greg giordano newport ritchie florida